of Arden's Ramos podcast. Conversations with aliens of extraordinary ability. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Aliens of Extraordinary Ability. I'm your host Prerna and in this episode I interview Bord Kleppe, a senior researcher at Telemar Forschning. The interview was recorded in August of 2021, so the COVID impact report that Bord mentions has already been published. I'll paste a link to it in the show notes. For the most part, practicing artists in Norway are supported by the state. They are in one sense public servants who in my opinion must feel a sense of responsibility and accountability to the public. Our livelihoods are very closely linked to the state's views on art and culture. And so in this episode we try to understand who an artist is, what their economic situation looks like from the state's perspective, and what kind of data is collected in order to create cultural policy in Norway. For many artists in Norway this information might already be known and lived but for many others who are not familiar with the working conditions in the cultural sector politicians included this interview might be informative now on with the show I have to do the customary thank you for being here uh no really genuinely thank you for uh taking part and having a conversation with us at Vardhan's Rumor and our podcast series called Conversations with Aliens of Extraordinary Ability. Yeah, Vardhan's Rumor is a mutual support network. We are now close to 170 creative professionals living in Norway and we work with immigration, equality, uh labor conditions and mutual support amongst uh creative professionals and this block of episodes is going to be about labor there are other blocks that are about education and solidarity and in this block we are trying to kind of sketch out what the working conditions of artists are so through conversations with like researchers like yourself and leaders from NBK UKS Creo we're trying to get an idea of what an artist economy looks like because i think through our conversations we've realized that a lot of the general public and even the politicians actually it's not so easily graspable for them what an artist economy is like so without further ado i'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into being a researcher in the field of culture at Telemark Forskning. Yeah, thank you very much. Um my name is uh, Bård Kleppe and I'm currently working as a senior researcher at the at the Telemark uh, Research Institute or Telemarks Forskning. Uh so we're um, a research institute doing applied research that uh, means that we are uh, we are working uh Uh, for uh, very many actors such as uh, municipalities uh, regions but also the arts council of norway uh, and um, and the ministry of culture etc but also more academic research uh, financed by the, the norwegian research council or uh, horizon europe etc uh, so um i've been working uh, with this since uh, 2008 i uh, had did a phd um in 2017 where i uh, compared uh, artistic work especially 
in theaters uh, in Norway, the Netherlands, and the UK. And then I also been doing uh, quite much work, uh, especially on on uh, the labor and working conditions of of artists. Um, and currently, we are uh, conducting an income survey among Norwegian artists, which is going to be uh, started, which we will start this autumn. And uh, next summer, we will, they will deliver a report to the Arts Council of Norway uh, with the results of, the, of this survey, this income survey. Um, maybe you could also tell us what is uh, Telemark Foshning and what, what do they do in general? Yeah, um, as I said, um, most of our work is uh, commissioned uh, research for different uh, governmental uh, bodies. Half of the staff staff are working with uh, cultural policy issues, which is one field we have specialized in. So, uh, and uh, within this uh, area, we do very much uh, evaluations of different schemes and uh, policy schemes. Whenever uh, a scheme is invented, there's a need for evaluating this scheme, and, and we do a lot of work on that, and also uh, kind of uh, bringing knowledge and uh, to to different uh, governmental bodies, uh, also municipalities and, and regions. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the survey that you're going to be doing, the income survey, which will be done in autumn. I, I believe Telemark Foshting has been doing this for a while now. Could you speak a little bit about how many such reports have there been and how often are you commissioned to, to do these reports? Yeah, we. Uh, this is the third uh, report that the Telmark Research Institute uh, are doing. But uh, before that, there were other researchers which also conducted such studies. So, so uh, this work has been done in Norway since late uh, 1960s, really. Um, and um, there are no uh, permanent time for when these services uh, are about to be done, but uh, they have been conducted every seven, eight years, I would say. Uh, the last one was in 2013, was based on income in 2013. Before that, it was 2006. And now we're going to measure the income of uh, 2019 and 2020 this year. So uh, every six, seven years, uh, I would say. Uh, and and this is kind of a part. This is part of a artist policy, which we see in all the Nordic countries, uh, where the government is uh, is concerned with the income of artists. Uh, when I did this this comparative research, um, it was evident that, for example, in Great Britain, uh, this is not a, a, a typical focus. And that's that concerns very many other countries. They are they do have a culture policy, but uh, not uh, necessarily a, a artist policy. It's uh, it's not considered a, a governmental issue to to concern for the the income of artists. So, how would you make the distinction between like an artist policy and a cultural policy then? I mean, um, culture policy is uh, concerned with uh, producing culture. The, the government has a responsibility to, to lay the ground for a, a good and vibrant culture offer for all the citizens. Uh, and so indirectly, it's uh, artist policy. But, uh, but uh, a genuine artist policy is also concerned with the income situation of the of the artists and uh, concerned with the, uh, providing 
the uh, the artists with a work yeah a good working environment. So, for example, in Norway we have very many permanent employed persons in uh, orchestras, theaters, etc. Which is it might be in some other countries they would say that the 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 offer of theaters might be better if we do not keep permanently employed actors. But this is also a part of the of the artist policy saying that uh, artists need some uh, stable uh, stable work mm -hmm. so um yeah that's maybe a, a difference so the then your studies are commissioned by the the cultural ministry is is that yeah yeah that's right so uh, th this is commissioned uh, by the arts council norway but um, actually arts council norway has has also been commissioned by the Ministry of Culture, Ministry of Culture. So, so it, it depends. Sometimes it is the ministry which commissioned the work, and sometimes it's the Arts Council which commissioned the work. Mm -hmm. And have you seen how the surveys and the studies that you conduct kind of impact the cultural policy? Are you able to see this kind of circuit of uh, you know, the study into policy circuit? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think I think uh, I think this is a very important knowledge for for policymakers and uh, and uh, also for the for the inter the the equity organizations using this as a as a tool uh, when they are working both with the uh, with the government but also uh, with the other actors and. For example, the the government the the grants for artists, uh, which is given by the Arts Council, they they I know they use this uh, income survey uh, very much in order to to uh, decide the the size of the of the grants and uh, the which artist group will get the grants, etc. So um, mm -hmm. I believe it has uh, quite. Uh, large impact and of course uh, as we commonly say there are the, there are constantly too many poor artists so uh, there are kind of a, a structural oversupply of artists so so it's very hard to kind of raise the income for all artists but uh, that's all that's a constant question shall we prioritize some to get good income condition for some few artists or shall we kind of spread the butter, uh, provide very many artists with, with uh, the not that uh, much income. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when providing grants, shall they provide large grants for a few or uh, small grants for several? So, um, but that's also a policy question, of course. I find this question really interesting, also alluding to something we had discussed quite early on, and maybe we come back to it after we go through what does the income situation of artists even look like um personally i find this interesting to understand also how do you what is the methodology that you use for these kind of surveys yeah, yeah. for example how do you identify what kinds of categories um you gather data in and how do you gather this data yeah for example this this uh, current survey or this current study we are conducting um we will use both uh, public income data that will that's uh, tax data etc which is uh, which we can find in in public registers and also we will send out a survey uh, in order to to gather this information 
in the public records, we can get the total amount of income, for example, uh, and detailed uh, data on uh, the, the total uh, income of artists. But as you all know, uh, the, the, the income from, for artists and creative people are very often uh, a mix between different kind of artistic income and uh, also non-artistic income from working in a bar uh, or uh, working as uh, yeah with everything else and also what we call the artistic related income which is uh, income uh, that's not necessarily artistic but you need uh, an artistic provision profession to to get this income so it's uh, teaching for example or um, working in um, committees or uh, yeah doing different kind of works which is related to your artistic profession really then we and in order to map these differences we need to to uh, conduct a survey and to ask the, the all the artists personally uh, how the different incomes uh, look like mm -hmm. and uh, the, the second question in order to identify the artists we use uh, our criteria for uh, for uh, recruiting uh, the the population the artistic population is done uh, with three three sources uh, the first source is uh, membership in one or several uh, artistic um, organization which you mentioned uh, creo um, nbk uh, etc the artist the actors uh, equity or uh, etc and um, then we also identify artists by um, those who have uh, received grants from the Arts Council. And then also uh, every uh, person who has uh, a business within artistic production. Mm -hmm. So with every survey, do you think the questions vary every time you have done a survey and you kind of develop new questions uh, you know, specific to the times that you are conducting the survey. Yeah, that's also uh, that's always uh, um, a challenge uh, to kind of re to adjust the the questions to the to the current situation for artists, but also to keep the questions as stable as possible in order to to uh, describe the changing uh, changes over time. So we try to to quite keep it as stable as possible, but of course we need to adjust to to differences uh, all the time and maybe make new categories, etc. So that's uh, ongoing work. So what what would you say is like new categories that are kind of coming up in these surveys that that you do? The the, the digital uh, development has been. Uh, an important uh, change during the last 20 years, which we try to adapt to. Uh, but still, it's it's quite stable when we use kind of larger categories. Um, but of course, the question will always be, who is an artist? And that, that may change. And uh, uh, there are several bloggers, for example, which uh, you know, are not sure if we shall uh, inc include. And, uh, uh, YouTubers, for example, we will now uh, this survey we will not include YouTubers, for example. But are YouTubers artists? Are they not? It's um... in the past. Have you included YouTubers as artists? 
No, not in these studies, uh, not in these income studies, but uh, we are doing a current research project, another project, which is more of a qualitative uh, character, which we compare the work of visual artists, actors, and YouTubers, or uh, not only YouTubers, but uh, social media workers. Yeah, the way in which they earn income is quite different. Yeah, it is. And also uh, just a practical issue is that uh, they are very, not very good, very not very well organized. So uh, it's, a, it's a challenge to identify them, really. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's also kind of a weakness with this kind of studies that we are always lagging behind because of the need for a kind of a institutionalized definition or an institute an organization where we can recruit informants at least in norway there's a, it's a long tradition for strong memberships and strong organizations so i would also believe that very many of these organizations will be able to to include the forerunners or the entrepreneurs in some way. And also kind of the system uh, lay the ground for, for making organization to, to be organized. So, uh, yeah. So currently, how are you identifying or defining who an artist is? Currently, we are including everyone which has a, a company uh, within defined as artic, artistic production. Uh, that's a code whenever you register uh, uh, what we call enkelt personsföretag in Norway, uh, self-employment. Then you register on the code. And uh, if you register on, a, on an artistic code, then, then we will include these persons. And then we also include members of uh, 25, approximately 25 artist organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, for example, uh, people who are doing graphical work, people who are doing uh, architectural work which kind of is is in the borderline of, of the definition yeah i think that's something that i wanted to ask because we use the word creative professional and this is largely because we find that especially when we look from the immigration perspective we come under the creative industries yeah how then would you make a distinction between something like creative professional who comes under that and how is that category made versus what you see as an artist? Well, that's a, that's a difficult question. It's, it's something we uh, are struggling with it all the time. Um, and I would maybe say that uh, we have, in Norway, we have a quite broad definition of artists. For example, uh, there has been a policy for a very long time to include very many popular expressions within popular music and within the music industry, for example, producers, uh, etc., which are included. So very many of the, of the, of the workers within the CCI, they will be included in the in an artistic definition. But then you, of course, you have, um, people working in, uh, in the tech industry. We have, uh, light engineers, different kinds of engineers, which may not be included, um, in, in this artist definition, but they would come under creative professionals though. Yeah. Yeah. They will. They are part of the creative industries, but, uh, we not part of the kind of the core of the creative industry, which is the, 
maybe that maybe that's the definition of the artist the kind of the core those people producing the, the creative content in a way mm-hmm. one of the first question of the survey is also the, the kind of a self-selection because we also ask have you been conducting artistic work uh, in 2019 and 2020 include all them who tick that uh, the, that box yeah these definitions are are uh, problematic they are I think it would be really nice to go into some, um, try to understand through like the data, what kind of composes an artist's income today? What are the different categories that you look at? Yeah. And how much do you think have two artists earn per year? I mean, this, I guess you could say from the 2014 survey and maybe try and guesstimate yeah. how much <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has gone up or down. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, yeah, as you say, the, the, the artistic income, uh, as we defined it, no, no the, the, the total income of artists is, is mixed or combined by different uh, income sources. And first of all, you can uh, say that there are, uh, you have an artistic income, you have an artistic related income, and then you have a non-artistic income. And uh, also you have incomes, which is not from, uh, from work. You have, for example, uh, capital income, which is from uh, interests, and you can also you have also uh, pensions and uh, an income from uh, social service, which is a is a second income, um, and you also have um, other incomes, which is which is not uh, from work. So that's kind of the the the, the last the last category of income. Uh, and uh, if we if we take a special look at the artistic income, then we divide this uh, between um, income from from grants. You have income from royalties, royalty incomes, and uh, then you have um, uh, artistic income, uh, which we also have separated between uh, sale for uh, private uh, sources and sale for from public sources and. Uh, and for some of the artistic categories, we can also uh, divide the income between, yeah, such, for example, from music, we, we can divide between recorded uh, music and live uh, performances. That's kind of the, the, the level of the detail or the detailed level we will dig into, but uh, not very much more than that, I would say. I remember in the 2013 survey, it was very clear that the artistic income had kind of gone down. Uh, and there was an analysis of that. Um, do you see, uh, is it possible for you to tell somehow whether it has gone up now or? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> we of course can speculate in that. And, uh, and uh, this, this uh, survey, we will uh, collect data from both 2019 and 2020. And uh, that's uh, the reason for that is that we need to, we would like to identify both uh, pre-COVID and uh, and post-COVID. Uh, this, the analyze we did in two thousand uh, based on the two thousand thirteen income, uh, where we we saw that the income had decreased uh, very much. Of this uh, decrease, we explained by by the change in uh, in uh, income, for example, from musicians, where the the new digitalized music industry uh, was um, 
there was a reduce in sale of music, for example, uh, and uh, kind of uncertainty uh, on the plat- new platform economy for musician. Um, but since then, I, I believe that the platform economy has kind of been much more stabilized. And uh, so I believe, I would believe that this, uh, this drop in income maybe have changed uh, now during the, the last, uh, since 2013, at least up until 2019. And then, of course, the, the COVID situation will be a complete different situation, which have affected very many artists uh, greatly and then the so there the big question will be uh, how has the, the the support the government support covid support how has that affected the the, the economy for artists etc and uh, the the question for the concerning the next survey of course will be the long term consequence of the covid pandemic which we don't know yet and we will not uh, be able to find out before the next income survey. I mean, to ask the question, like, who earns the most in the creative field? The the large picture is that in uh, in 2013, when the survey we conducted, we we found that the total income of artists was uh, just above uh, 400,000 Norwegian kroners a year, 408 Norwegian kroners a year. And uh, at the same time, the, the average income of all uh, Norwegian workers were uh, 420,000. So it was just below the, the average income of, of, uh, of the Norwegian population uh, in total. Mm-hmm. And then there are very large differences between the artistic uh, categories. Uh, the highest income uh, in 2013 13 was uh, among uh, classical musicians and uh, uh, playwriters and uh, architect, architects yeah, and designers. And the lowest income we see among uh, visual, visual artists. Mm-hmm. And you see this largely because you find that musicians and architects are, have more employment, uh, like permanent employment, and visual artists are mostly self-employed. Yeah, and that's a very, very important distinction, which we see in all artistic groups. Uh, that also within musicians and, and uh, within the performing arts that uh, those uh, artists working on a permanent contract they have a, a decent income where, but the self-employed uh, artists very very much from large some few large incomes to very many low incomes I was very curious actually about this category of artistic related work with an increase in uh, artist related income or artist related work. What does that say? Could that say that could it be that there's a certain kind of job market for artistic knowledge? Yeah, no, uh, that's maybe a correct uh, analysis. And um, of course, it's it's hard to tell whether uh, whether there's a pull or a push effect here, if it's a consequence of uh, the fact that very many artists, uh, when the income is dropping, then they are trying to, to develop new jobs and, uh, and using their artistic profession in order to create some new jobs. And maybe uh, more of them will work yeah, within the education, uh, etc. It might be also that the, 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 yeah, the demand for artistic uh, knowledge is is uh, has 
been higher. We haven't done a very good analysis of, of that fact, so we can't say that for sure, really. Um, and would you say then the cultural policy is though geared towards like increasing the yeah the artistic income and not the artistic related income or? I would say that um, the Norwegian cultural policy has been very stable. The, the the large picture of the of the Norwegian cultural policy has been very stable. Um, so we still have large institutions employing uh, artists, and that counts for the most important uh, support or uh, indirect support for for artists. And uh, these these institutions are. Uh, are very stable and there has not been any uh, cuts yeah not very large cuts with for these institutions and also the the grants for the arts uh, has been very stable during the last uh, 10 20 30 years even though we have have shifting governments we had a, a leftish government now we have a, a rightish government and, uh, and and there has been of course uh, some some few some some adjustments and um, at one point around 2005 there was a very increase in the in the budget for culture now there has been not that much increase but uh, uh, compared to very many european countries we haven't had we haven't seen uh, very large cuts as they for example did uh, around the, the economic crisis uh, in europe so i would say that the the, the culture policy has been very stable and also concerning uh, the, the artist policy. About the allocation of cultural budget, how does the allocation of budget go? Is it more towards like maintenance of institutions or towards like income for artists? Yeah, so, um, the, 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 the situation is still that the institution they get a very large share of uh, of the total uh, cultural budget um, compared to, for example, the grants for the arts. Uh, but um, uh, during the last uh, ten years, I would say that uh, it, the the grants for the arts have increased a little bit more than than the institutions, but still there's a very relatively large uh, small share i haven't got detailed information on that so it's a little bit problematic to uh, to say it there are still uh, the institutions are still uh, getting a very large share of the cultural budget but they also employ very many artists they are the, the institutions are maybe one of the reasons for why so many artists uh, have a decent income You also say that the number of artists is increasing. So do you say the ratio between the number of grants and the artists have also stayed similar or? We know how the the, the number of grants hasn't increased that much, but uh, and we can assume that the artistic population has, has grown. So I would say that maybe there's a larger gap now. And, but the the kind of demand for art uh, grants are not uh, uh, affecting the the total amount. The total amount of grants is uh, defined by by the politicians. Uh, and then also, uh, especially now during COVID, we see that there has been new groups which have applied for grants which uh, didn't do that before. And uh, previously, uh, they were, most of the working grants was uh, provided for visual artists, but now 
we see that there are also very many other groups applying for for uh, working grants and i actually heard of a uh, someone presented in a in a meeting that i was at uh, about how that although the financial assistance to artists have kind of gone up uh, the number of people applying for financial assistance amongst the artist population was very low and i was quite interested in what those reasons would be and you know what what and some of that has to do, I remember uh, having a conversation with Creo, with Christina from Creo about this. And it has to do also with the fact that the artist economy that you analyze, which is so many income sources, is so difficult to, uh, you know, to fall into these standard uh, requirements to get financial assistance. Do you think there's a correlation there or? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's... Uh... Very many of these compensa compensations are, are related to, to earlier income and, uh, and uh, does not necessarily fit very well with, with uh, self-employment, uh, which is very common among artists. So that will be very interesting when we get the numbers to see uh, how, how it has actually uh, infected, the, affected the, the artistic economy because we know very much about how it has affected the, the total economy of the creative industries as a whole and the institutions uh, and so on. But uh, the, we know very little about how it has affected the single artist. So um, we will make a, a small report on the COVID uh, part of the questionnaire uh, in December, this autumn. So that was that will be the first first uh, uh, result from the from the study. But I want to definitely go back to what something that you mentioned that the, it's a persistent problem that artists have the lowest some of the lowest incomes amongst other professions. Um, I'm I would be curious to know why do you think the status hasn't changed. And what kind of mechanisms or policy shifts have to be kind of undertaken to change this pattern of low income? On, on the structural level, I would say that the, um, there are, has been done some quite much research on this. And um, you have what uh, uh, a cultural economist called David Trusby is is describing this as a, as a work preference model. That means that uh, artists, they want to do to work as artists, so they will follow the work, not the money. And uh, that's the reason for, uh, for the low income. So uh, if as long as they have kind of enough uh, money for, uh, for living, they will choose artistic work before economic success. Uh, very many artists will do that. And kind of in, in a... In a in a capitalist uh, uh, system that that will provide them with low income because they will kind of follow the low income in a way and that's uh, that's of course a problem at least when they uh, when artists will uh, have a family to provide for or other other uh, needs that they, they they need to provide for other than than, than, than themselves um, and and then the, the the question also always comes down to the the how to how to to share this income because of course we can try to to increase we can try to affect the politicians to to provide more money for culture we can try to 
increase uh, or get people to to buy more art and to put more private money into the, into the artistic sector but what we have seen is when you put money into the sector then you also have an increased increase in the artistic population so as, as i said earlier there's kind of always there's a constant oversupply of of artists and we see that in mostly all countries uh, globally that there are kind of oversupplied very many want to do artistic work and that i guess it's a good job so uh, at least the content of the work is good so there are many very many people who want to work as artists and then the question is how shall we select and that's maybe a problem for the artists themselves as well shall Shall we uh, select, make a stronger selection uh, to art schools, for example, and say that only the best uh, students will get into art schools and then kind of narrow the gate for artistic profession? That's, uh, that's a way of doing it as they did earlier in Norway. But of course, that's also very problematic in very many ways. Um, when did they do it earlier? In uh, for example, uh, in um, in the eighties and nineties, uh, if you wanted to become uh, an actor, you had to go to the to the acting school, which is now a part of the the Norwegian uh, School for Fine Arts, and um, and they recruited approximately the same amount of student which uh, there were jobs for at the institutions at the theater institutions. So uh, when you when you had your uh, training as as an actor, you were it was quite certain that you will get would get a job at the one of the large theaters. So there was a kind of a, a much more bigger relation between the kind of estimated need for artistic profession and then and the education. And of course, um, that was maybe limiting the possibility to to get actors who would work in private theaters who, or who would work in film and movies and tv and so uh, so that was also problematic we see of course that there are very many artists who, who leave the profession uh, that between 30 and 40 years uh, when they are getting children and uh, you would find this largely amongst women or yeah i would say you will find it more uh, among women but also about uh, also among uh, among men because uh, of course during uh, your young age then you can do very much from hand to mouth uh, work but uh, sometimes in your career you kind of maybe you would like a more stable economy than a hand to mouth economy and then you have to make the decision do i do i really want to continue and try to to make this as a living or do i want to leave the profession and do something else for a living and then just do art as a hobby or uh... so there's a, there's a selection selection there and uh, and also there's a question if the government or anyone else will interfere with this selection but I was also wondering, I don't know if this makes sense, but I, I mean, this idea of this happiness index that economists calculate, which is also a lot to do with like per capita income, as well as other health status. Yeah. Uh, does this happen based on profession? Like, would you then look at, say, the happiness index in relation to artists? Because if you look at per capita income, we would be miserable. 
But like, is there a correlation between profession and happiness index? I'm not sure really. I haven't uh, digged very much into to this happiness index. We are going to include a question now on kind of how satisfied you are with your own work. Uh, but we haven't got uh, an ambition of comparing that with other professions or other studies. Uh, it's We are more interested in analyzing uh, what affects this kind of uh, satisfaction with work, if it's related to income, if it's related to artistic success, or uh, uh, also to analyze differences between between artistic groups, etc. So, so that's uh, an ambition. I'm not sure if we will include that in this uh, this report, but uh, just to um, then we can get the data and then we can make such analysis later on. Mm-hmm. No, I'm very curious also with this question about satisfaction because I, as as a practicing artist, I can say that even though. Um, you know, we can, we have this work preference and we choose to do this work. It, the income levels still kind of are heavy on us. You know, we still think about it all the time and we still complain about it all the time and we want our wages to increase. And so I, this, it cannot, yeah, I, I'm wondering how long or how sustainable our practice is in this format. Um, yeah, you know, with with low incomes and rising prices, or <laughs> yeah, no, there's always a, a kind of a limit where <laughs> where kind of the, the the wish for doing artistic work is terminated by the poor conditions. So um, yeah, um, I see we're running out of time. Thank you so much, and uh, I hope we can have you back yeah. later when this report is out. And uh, good luck with the survey and the analysis. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now, as we wrap up this episode, we leave you with a live audio feed from outside the UDI building. Listen closely to the frequencies of immigration bureaucracy.